Welcome to the Real Deal of Parenting podcast with Abby Johnson and Regan Long. This show covers all things pertaining to motherhood with authenticity, insight, and a healthy dose of humor with topics from a Christian perspective, ranging from the everyday challenges of raising kids of all ages to high profile issues and current events facing families. There's something for everyone. We've got a great new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I always have to pause slowly. I'm like, okay, this is Tuesday, right? We have the right day of the week. <laughs> I, I am so excited this morning. We have a very special guest with us. Um, one of, She's a newer friend of mine, but I already consider her truly a dear friend. Um, joining us today is Stephanie Tyndall, and she has she has so many accolades. She's involved in so many different things. But she's a an extremely popular um, writer, um, and I, I, I want to call her an activist in women's ministry. Um, she is known. She runs Seeds Among the Soil. She's also popularly known with She Rises. Um, she, her her truth and her knowledge with the Bible. She's really become one of my absolute favorites. And so Stephanie, welcome. I am so glad you're here today with us. I am so glad to be with you and ditto. You have uh, become one of my favorites as well that I just feel like for such a time as this, the Lord's among his remnant that he's waking up He's calling into unity and to the truth um, and to just be bold in these days to to stop entertaining people and tickling their ears and to give them what they need. Exactly. You know, um, and I feel like and I and I see this also happening with you, too. But as every every day, it's like something new unfolding. Right. And I yep. feel like so many of us, God's organically bringing so many of us together and we're just linking arms so, so effortlessly because it's like divinely orchestrated. And so, so many people who are, you know, boldly, you know, sharing his word and who yep. aren't afraid of censor- censorship, you know, in this time we're living in, it seems like he's just kind of bringing us all together, which I'm just so grateful for. And you know, here at The Real Deal of Parenting, you know, Abby and I really pride ourselves on, of course, we try to give, you know, a little bit of everything where, you know, we share, you know, the funny and heart-wrenching things of, of motherhood and fatherhood, but we are one of the top conservative parenting platforms out there. And yep. we feel such a conviction to Christ that we're going to have to answer to him someday. And you know this, when you're given a platform, you have a duty, you have an obligation. And although we love to make people smile, we make love to make people laugh, you know, every week it's like pulling upon my heart. You also have a job to do, Reagan. And so I'm just so glad you're joining me this morning. And again, you're one of those influential people right now that um, you don't get it wrong because everything goes back to to God's word, you know? And I feel like right now, you know, you and I talk a lot about spiritual warfare and the attack on on families 
especially today. And so you and I are going to dive into that. And, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to start because it's this is such a big it's such a big beast, right? There, there's so many like layers to all of this. But what do you think personally you're seeing? What is the biggest attack on families right now? What are you witnessing? How are you kind of ministering to people? What are you sharing? Yeah, I was thinking about that um, in regards to it, it's so interlinked, Reagan, and everything we're seeing because I, I use this, um, it's really this overarching word, I guess, the word busyness. But what I don't want us to take from that is to think of the way we just think of the word busyness, like, oh, well, I'm just supposed to sit at home. My day should consist of nothing. You know, of course, we're going to be living our lives. We have, you know, families that we're raising and, and a lot of us may have um, careers or whatever it is. There's going to be some busyness. But when I use the word busyness from a spiritual warfare standpoint, I'm really talking about busyness for the sole goal of distractions. And that's what the enemy's goal is on the family right now, because ultimately that busyness that is for the goal of distraction is leading us into deception. And that's where the warfare is. It's it's the kind of busyness that inhibits that Proverbs 22, 6 um, principle that we study, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And so what I see for families right now, and this clearly started back decades ago in the push of what we call today modern day feminism, where it's this idea that we're weak women if we want to raise children and be a wife, that you have to be looked down upon that very beautiful, unique role that God has gifted us with to mother and to nurture and to be a helpmate to her husband. Somehow that made us weak. Um, somehow it made us uh, like our IQ was checked out the door and we can't carry on conversations and we can't contribute to society. And so I try to encourage women that your greatest contribution, it doesn't mean you have to be a wife or a mother. That doesn't make you less um, of a uh, instrument in God's kingdom if you're not. But the calling to be a wife and a mother is such a high calling. Um, and we're the ones that are impacting the future generation. And so training up a child, um, allowing the, the work, um, the co-partnering with our husbands of training up our children towards holiness in his word, I always tell people, think about it. I grew up, I was a runner and I've run most of my life, obviously, and until my knees started bothering me. But one of the things I was never a marathon runner, I ran shorter um, races or distances, but I always thought one of the things the Lord reminded me of is given the society we live in today, we check off our box and we think, well, if I show up, um, and I take my kids to church or we talk about the word for maybe an hour. OK, let's really say maybe two hours a week. For the most part, if we're honest, it may just be that a month because we're so busy and we're filling our calendars and we have other interests. But what happens is over time you start to realize that training one or two hours a week is never going to get you to win. Um, 
a marathon. You're never going to last in the race. And that's ultimately, um, we just become weaker and the enemy knows that that's his strategy. So I just say that to say probably at the base of it all is this, this busyness for the sake of distracting, which leads us to deception and being unequipped and weakening in us um, so that we're not prepared for now, as we talk later on, the onslaught that's coming to weaken the family and destroy it. Wow, that's so good. I just, wow. And I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head. And here's, you know, you and I have talked personally about this too. And those of us who feel so blessed to be so in tune with Christ and to really be fortunate to see what's happening today while we see others still have a veil. And I know sometimes it can frustrate us, mm -hmm. but it is so true that enemies, you know, distractions, which lead to deception. And there, you know, I when you talked about the busyness, I've, you know, is, is a wife and mother. I've gone through that myself. And so many times I just prided myself on having this full schedule and I got 27 things done today and I should feel so great. And yet there was like still this emptiness, right? And when I started to, you know, when I was a lukewarm Christian, still thinking I, I, at the time, of course, I didn't think I was one, right? I'm thinking I'm doing right. and I'm, you know, I'm showing up to church on Sunday. So I have my check box, you know, thinking I was doing good when I was just barely lukewarm. And I completely rearranged my schedule to truly not just say it, but make God my priority and number one in my life, make these things a non-negotiable when I didn't have the time to, it like everything shifts and things just start to fall in, in alignment. In my plans and what I was doing, he seemed to slowly like shift highways. Like, you know, and it's your life starts to take order when you finally surrender because we all have free will, right? But when you finally, like we're selfish humans. So we always think we know best, God. We want this. We need this. I know, I know, I know. But when we really get on our knees and surrender to his will and his plans for us and, you know, Lord, use me as an instrument, how you see fits. And when we have that childlike faith and that childlike surrendering, things really start to shift into place. And um, it seems that the distractions aren't as easy to take hold of us. So that deception right. is not there and we're more equipped. We're more equipped to fight the enemy, right? Yep. Absolutely. And so right now, I know you talked about, um, you mentioned this a little bit, but you know, so when we're talking about a family, whether you have one child or eight children, you know, it, it starts with a husband and wife and we're, right you know, we're just living in times that it's, again, if you, if Satan attacks that relationship, that marriage, the, the right. forefront of the family that, you know, you can blow up an entire family. So what do you see is the biggest thing that, that husbands and wives can do to support each other right now? Like, what do they need to be doing 
well, again, you're going to see kind of this, <laughs> the same um, weave that's, that's going through everything that we're discussing today. But I would say the biggest thing, and it seems so simple. I often say we complicate things. We overcomplicate things more than they should be. Um, it, the number one thing that we really should be doing for each other is abiding together in his word and speaking it to each other. You know, because if that is the foundation of he's the, the head, I, I think about a long time ago, I was um, for a lot of women on um, She Rises and Seeds Among the Soil, my girls at Soldiers for Faith, um, they've heard my testimony. They understand I was the pregnant 18-year-old, married at 19. Um, I came from a very broken home, a divorced family. It was very, just an ugly mess. So I didn't understand marriage and I didn't grow up a Christian. So there was really nothing for me to look at. And I remember the Lord teaching me eventually this, this importance of even before we get to our kids, it is our spouse that we've made a covenant with, not our kids. Our covenant that we made with God was with our spouse, not our kids. And when our kids are grown and they've made their own covenants and they've gone on, it's us left with our spouse. And the reason we see so many people having problems once the kids are gone is they've forgotten that covenant they've made and they don't spend time allowing the Holy Spirit to really unite them in unity with their spouse. They're too busy trying to find unity and friendship with their kids instead of their spouse. And if the enemy can undermine that, um, and when I say abiding in the word together, it's very easy with your spouse to just do life. We have things that interest us. We want to have conversations. You know, that's normal about things going on in the world. We're talking about our kids. Maybe, you know, we're coming from two different mindsets or whatever our education is or what we enjoy. But if we're not really like um, focusing in on the word and speaking that to each other, whether it's encouraging one another, building one another up in his word, um, correcting one another, holding each other accountable to his word um, so that we're loving and truth. Here's what's going to eventually end up happening. It's the enemy actually now comes in because his goal before he even gets to your children is to destroy your marriage. Because if you can break the head and separate it, he knows the impact that's going to have that he'll get to your kids. That's not the concern. He's got to break the want the cord that's one, the covenant. He did that in the garden with us and Yahweh, right? I've got to break the covenant there. So he understands how that will affect the children. And so he goes into that and what's happening if we don't know the word, if we're not abiding in the word together, applying the word to our marriage, speaking um, the word to each other, we end up finding that the enemy masquerades as your spouse. And what do I mean by that? Well, you're going to lose sight of who the enemy actually is and you're going to attribute it to your spouse. And you're going to make your spouse the enemy instead of recognizing the spirit or the voice whose words are being spoken or even through your own mind. Like the what expectations are you setting on your spouse that maybe not even be biblical or that they can't 
only Christ can fill in your life. And you now caused your husband to reach this. He's trying to attain this level of perfection in your marriage. He's never going to reach to meet needs that only the Lord can meet. So again, to me, it's just everything comes back to the word, to abiding in the word and it being the foundation for what we have. And if we don't have that, which is what everything we're talking about today is warfare, armoring up. What is the enemy's strategy? If we lose sight of that, that the belt of truth that holds it all together, then we're going down. And that's why we have so many problems in the world today. It's why the divorce rate's so high. It's why what scripture talks about in the last days, they'll forbid people to marry. You know, why is that? Well, we don't, we don't want to repopulate, but we also know that God commanded marriage. It makes us holier. It points people back to Christ. And so we have to undermine that Satan's goal. You have to start with the family unit before anything else. Um, and so if we're not armoring up with the word. Yeah, right. we're, we're, we're in trouble. And I, and I love that. And, and, it's funny before Stephanie and I connected, those are two words that she and I both individually use a lot just in regular conversation is armor up. It is time to armor up because I mean, even in the last couple of months, I've had such personally, I've had such spiritual attacks that I've never had before. And then I have these moments of weakness where I'm in tears and I'm, I'm crying and I'm frustrated. And I'm like, Lord, like I'm, I feel closer to God than I've ever been. I'm like clawing for this relationship and trying to be in the position God wants me to be in. And, and, and I mean, of course, naturally, who is that going to upset? Right. <laughs> so absolutely. Also, as we're clawing away for our relationship with Christ, I mean, we have our crosses to carry. And so, so I think some of these battles I've confronted lately, I'm like, man, if I were, how much worse they would have been. I mean, I could have already been so far off the path had I not already developed, you know, like clinging to the feet of Jesus, uh, how, how worse it would have been for me, you know? Yep. So armor up, friends. I mean, if you need armor two up. words to cling to, armor up. So Stephanie, with that being said, is, is that your same recommendation for, for children? And I know you and I both, we have it, and so does Abby, a span of ages of children. So once, you know, this is established between, you know, husband and wife, what is the best thing that parents can be doing for their children today? You know, I always, from a spiritual standpoint and a worldly standpoint at this time, I always debate like how much is too much to share with my kids? What's age appropriate? You know, a lot of people come at me and say, oh, you, you pray with your children daily. You take them to church. You do this. You need to be, you need to wait till they're growing up and, and they can decide what they want to do. And it, it hurts my heart because I think it is my job to get them to heaven. It is my job 
for them to have a relationship and to know Christ. It is my, you know what I mean? God has entrusted. These children are mine, but they're, they're his first. And so I've taken that role so much more seriously that, yeah, I want to be loved by my children. I want to be liked by them, but it is way more important for me, for them to know Christ and to, and to ultimately get them to heaven. I feel like you always, when you and I always talk, it's one of the ways I always know the Holy Spirit's involved in making this connection because I always feel you, like you set me up for that song. And, and guys, we don't, we don't prepare. <laughs> we don't like seconds reviewing with each other. <laughs> and I'm always good with that. I love it because it allows even for my faith to see. Um, yeah, as far as coming down to being kids, same thing I, I am. I'm in that spectrum of clearly um, being an 18 year old that was pregnant. My my uh, spectrum of ages for my kids ranges from 26 um, uh, down to our youngest um, daughter that's 12. Um, so I have been all over the place in these um, stages of life and what I've been through and what I'm still currently going through. Um, and I'm going to say it stays consistent again in the way we've raised all of our children. And my advice to that really is, again, in the midst of what we've been talking about today, it's slow down. You have to slow down and you have you and your spouse have to invest time in those kids that I love what you said, Reagan, we've been entrusted with. You know, they're his. And he can take them whenever he wants. He can take them back whenever he wants. But until he does, they've been entrusted to us for one goal. And that one goal is to return them to him, prepared and ready, and to let them be ready to be that image. And the reason I said I feel like you set me up <clears throat> with a softball is because our children, especially you and I, I'm not saying that you and I came up, you know, as uh, 90s kids or whatever um, in easy days. We didn't. Society was already morally declining. Um, the apostasy was already kind of shifting to the forefront, even in our generation. But now the days, the perilous times we're living in, um, the beginning of birth pains we're in, our kids are in a totally different time. And they're in days that are extremely dark and they are extremely deceptive. And if we are not equipping them with answers, if we're not pointing them back to the word because they're looking for hope, kids are very resilient. They're very smart. They, they can comprehend and understand more than we give them credit for. Um, and one of the analogies I always love to use it really helped me. Um, I homeschooled for many years. Um, and and then um, Gray and I, my husband, one of the things that we set a precedence for when our kids were very, very young, and I mean like in the right out of the toddler stage, is every week we took an hour to an hour and 30 minutes and we told our kids, this is on the calendar and it is family Bible study. And yes, you're going to get that at church. And yes, you're going to get that at youth group. 
Um, and yes, you should be doing your quiet time on your own because you can't just depend on your parents, but we will be coming together as a family and we will be going deeper into the word together and you can ask questions and we're going to be training you. I mean, we're going to talk about things that are difficult, things that the church wants to avoid because it may drive down their numbers and it doesn't tickle people's ears right now. We're going to talk about the difficult things that a lot of people are going, I don't want to hear that. That's too fearful. And the reason I felt that way is because of something the Lord really taught me early on. And it was this analogy. So if you think about our military, we're going to use our military for a minute. Whenever they recruit, so they're out recruiting to find people. What is the very first thing once they recruit these men and women, what is the very first thing that happens to them? I, I don't know. <laughs> They're, where are they sent? To boot camp, oh, right? right? Right, right, right. The very first thing that happens as they're recruited and they're brought in is they're going to be sent to boot camp. And there's a reason for that. What we don't do is go, oh, wonderful. You've signed on the line. Here, let me hand you your weapons. We've got this battle and this war in Afghanistan or in Iran or we're prepping for with China or whatever. And you're heading on the front lines right now. Take your weapon and get out there. You would never do that. It would be idiotic to even assume that they're ready and prepared. And yet every day, that's what we do with our kids. When we go, I'm not going to equip you with your armor or the weapons that you need for this warfare. I'm going to shove you in the public school system that's indoctrinating you daily and trying to undermine you. I'm going to shove you out in the world and tell you, make friends with all those godless people because well, Jesus would love them and you hang out with them and you know, don't say anything because that might offend them. And if we can get to church this week for an hour, I'm going to take you to a church where you want to be playing basketball and hanging out with your friends. And if the youth pastor's having a pizza party for you today, and I know because I work in it in the ministry, oh, Stephanie, we can't, we can't give them more than 10 or 15 minutes of the word because they're not going to want to come back with their friends. Well, whatever you condition them for is what you're going to get. And so what happens is we're sending our kids into a very real battle that now is extremely dark and the spiritual warfare is at an all time high. And I'm telling you, it's about to get way worse. And we're throwing our kids out there and we've not equipped them and we're going fight and they're going down. And then we sit here with our hands our head buried in our hands, screaming and crying. Why does Susie or Johnny over here now live a sexually immoral lifestyle? And why are they hooked on drugs? And why are they struggling with suicide? And why are they making such poor choices? And we take no accountability for ourselves because we refuse to engage the helper the Holy Spirit that we've given and follow God's command of abiding in his word and obeying him because we love him because we just say, oh yeah, well, I take my kids to church. I've checked that off a box. And so Jesus, it's on you. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. So yeah, my, again, it's hard. It's hard to hear these things, but we have failed in many ways in our society as parents. 
and we fail because we are not equipping them properly with the armor and the weapons that they need. And in turn, they're learning from the world to pick up the weapons of the world, which is community organizing and standing on streets, screaming at people and slandering and burning and looting and, and getting on social media and name calling and attacking people, or even worse, just block them. Don't just silence them and cancel them because you only need people around you who tell you what your itching ears want to hear and everybody needs a trophy. So, um, this is what we're engaging in society. And again, if the church doesn't wake up in these very last days, I mean, we are <laughs> Laodicea has gotten its warning. And if we do not now heed that warning and let him back in, we're about to be vomited out of his mouth and our kids are going down with us. It's, oh my gosh. And I think the, the people who are still teetering and unsure, um, I, I see them being pulled to the other side because we're, you know, in our public school system, in our communities, um, we're seeing our favorite celebrities, uh, you know, our politicians, everything's about love and acceptance. And this is the new normal. And this is 2021. And what I always quickly usher people back to is I don't care that it's 2021. God never changes. God does not conform to our modern sinful times. He never changes. So he's not going to give us a free pass. Well, well, your your political leader or your administrator at the school or your pastor is saying that we need to be loving and kind and accept this. It's that is part of the biggest deception right now, Stephanie. That is where the evil, because it's like it's happening right beneath our noses, and yet people don't see it. And you and I battle this. Abby battles this. You know, you're called a racist. You're called unchristian-like. If you're not ready to swim in the sea of sin, that the majority of people are doing. Yes, we are yeah. called to love our neighbor and to pray for our neighbor. Um, we're all sinners, but no, we are not called to accept, to encourage, to pat your neighbor on the back. You just keep leading a sinful life that's going to lead you to you know eternal damnation. No, I would rather someone have the nerve to hurt my feelings to give me a swift shake and say, you were completely out of line. You were completely being disobedient to God, to his word. You are right. not seeing this correctly. And again, the biggest, I mean, we expect this from Hollywood. We expect this from our, you know, political leaders. We, ex But like in our churches, it is just, I, I see it's just, no one can hurt anyone's feelings. No one, it's, Oh, it just breaks. So my that's mind. Laodicea. And again, if you think of Thessalonians, I'm actually in the middle of writing right now for this week's teaching that I'm doing um, entitled The Great Delusion and how the Lord is talking about um, from Thessalonians. Just we're now um, stepping into the great beginning of the great delusion. Um, 
And so when you when you think about that Laodicea, when you think about a delusion, when you think about an apostasy, an apostasy isn't the world. The world can't apostatize. It's never known Christ. The apostasy happens because the church, because of people who profess to know God, like Israel, commit adultery with the world and they fall away from the true faith. It's not that they're denying the faith per se. Israel didn't do that. Israel still would tell you, even during Jeremiah, Ezekiel's time, Isaiah's time, whenever the prophets were there giving those messages, Israel would show up to worship. They would tell you, they would go through their religious duties. They would tell you they were um, worshiping God. The problem is they had compromised and they were redefining and they were really taking the way of Cain, meaning if if you remember even studying in Genesis with Cain, the problem with Cain was that he just thought he could worship God. Here, ta- I'm, here's my fruits, my vegetables from the ground. I, this is my offering to you and you take whatever I give you, God, and that's acceptable to you. Whereas Abel obeyed God and what he had asked for as a sacrifice. And obviously that's a whole nother lesson, but um, we're seeing that. So the reason we're frustrated is what you're watching in the apostate church in Laodicea, which, by the way, takes its cues from the world, not the word. And so what happens is, is that they've redefined love. So they're going to use the word love. That's not an issue with them. They'll talk to you about love all day long. They don't know how to love by the words standards. They know how to love according to the world. So I'm exactly what you said, Reagan, you, I, Abby, what we all face um, when we're trying to love as God loves. And the way God loves doesn't mean by accepting someone's sin. It means by confronting someone's sin with the goal of not demeaning them or belittling them, but to give them a hope of a way out to escape because you want them to have eternal life. You want them to be redeemed by Christ. That is not the way of the world. Their idea of love is just let me do what I want to do. Tell me what I want to hear. And if you don't, I'm going to call you every name in the book. I'm going to figure out a way to. So I'm not going to love in return. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you why I'm angry with you is because you're not loving me the way I want. And so. I often, especially in social media, my ministry is heavily social media across the planet. And I often find the more you speak truth, um, those who profess to love are the ones who are so angry. They're just angry, like children throwing tantrums. They're not getting their way. And I either get laughy emojis or any name they can think to call me or, you know, a way to um, this week. I had one woman tell me, you're just old. You're so you're old. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just thought yeah, I, my brothers and sisters are getting slaughtered in Afghanistan and I'm supposed to go down in the midst of the battle because you called me old. Right. <laughs> I oh, my Lord. I, I think it's, and that's something you and Abby and I all share. I it's it's suffice to say I have been called every name in the book, and I've learned some new names over the years. <laughs> that's a new one. Oh, yeah. I've never I've never I've never heard that one. 
But it is true, especially when you are dealing with somebody, whether it's behind a screen, behind a computer screen, right. behind a phone, or whether it's in person, you, someone who, you know, has the enemy in them, around them, that truth, it they despise it. To say it ruffles feathers, that's just an understatement. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so their demons, it truly they can't even stand to be hearing nope. it, to be reading it. Um, and I think so often I've done this myself as a sinner, Stephanie. Um, those of us who, you know, who are practicing Christians who proclaim our love for Christ, I've done this. We, and this is one of the enemy's favorite tricks is, you know, we validate our sin, right? Mm -hmm doing yep. this, but it's because this is happening or this didn't happen. And, and then we get that confusion, you know, our minds can be Satan's playground. And then, you know, we just validate everything today, every wrongdoing, every sin. Yep. Well, and, and that's where it's just such a slippery slope. And so I know um, so often for me, some of my past decisions can haunt me. And I immediately have to pray for the Holy Spirit to chase Satan out because my mom, you know, I just keep going back and forth. And I know one of the things I'm supposed to be doing more individually and sharing with people, you know, priests have told me this, pastors have told me this, so many friends like you um, about accepting God's great mercy. You know, Jesus came, we're all sinners. If we were perfect, we would not need Jesus. Right. And right. So when we're living our lives for him and trying to be as obedient as possible, I just never want anyone to think, anyone who's watching us, that you're too far off. We're all sinners. We've all made wrong decisions. We all could have done things with more love or differently, but we are never too far off the path to completely surrender to God and to accept his mercy and to try to amend our lives and to live in truth from this moment forward. You know, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, isn't that the whole point of why Christ came to begin with? Right. You know, we, we talk about um, one of the scriptures you talk about hearing, they just want to talk about love. One of the scriptures also constantly used in this apostate generation is um, where well, Jesus doesn't come to condemn us. Well, of course he doesn't. And there's a reason for that, because we're already condemned. What what point would Yahweh have had, the Father have had, knowing that we're condemned, that we're all headed for hell, to send his son into the world to recondemn it? Why would you suffer to recondemn something already condemned? That makes no logical sense. So then one would have to understand that the reason Yeshua, Jesus, came into this world is to offer us a way out of condemnation so that we're no longer condemned. And he does that by setting us free from that which condemns us, which is sin. And so the problem becomes is that we go, well, I want to say I'm spiritual or I want to go to church, but I still want to hold on to my old life. Like, I don't want accountability. I don't want to have to change. I don't want to have to give up the lust of my flesh and the pride of this life. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's what I came to die for. And I knew you couldn't do that on your own. You were already condemned. You're helpless. 
So I came to take your punishment, to take that condemnation for you, and then to give you my spirit, to give you a helper, to equip you so that I can do that sanctifying work in your life so you don't desire the things you used to desire so you don't walk and when we do stumble and this is where we go wrong in this day we are at two opposite extremes either we think as jude warns that um he talks about the the false the teachers the the worthless ones um that they turn grace into a license for immorality in other words, it's like, okay, you have grace, so you're just going to live in sin, and God's okay with that. And he goes on to teach, you know, blackest darkness is reserved for them forever. Woe to them, because they're false teachers. But then you have the other ones that it's like, oh, man, if I stumble into sin, if I make a mistake, it's over for me. Like, I'm hopeless. And neither one of those is right. Those, those, again, keep us on a broad path where the enemy wants us in deception. We got to get back on that narrow path. And that narrow path says, look, my desire by the Holy Spirit, because I can't do it on my own, is to walk in righteousness and holiness for his name's sake because of what he did for me at Calvary. And then because of that, when I stumble into sin and there it's not because I'm looking to, but I will, I'm human. So when I stumble into sin, I don't have to go to a priest in a temple to sacrifice a lamb for me to apply the hyssop in the blood and to go through all of this. I don't need that anymore. What do I need? I need to go boldly to the throne of grace, confess my sin and say, Jesus, your blood was enough. Like, it will cleanse every single sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west. And then I can boldly get back up again and go back on my way. And we lose sight of that, that, you know, either we're cheapening grace and using grace to justify sin, which is what you and I did talk about um, at one point. Right. Um, Reagan, about um, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness, meaning you live in sin, you see no problem with it, um, as opposed to, to being in that perfect love cast out fear that I don't want to sin. I'm not looking to sin. My nature has changed. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And because of that, when I do stumble, I'm confident to know his sacrifice and his mercy is enough. And it is all I need. And I don't have to live in bondage or fear to that sin. So the enemy, even in this battle right now, he has no hold on us, none. I love that. Oh, man. There's just like, I, I'm going to rewatch this <laughs> many times, Stephanie, and I'm just going to take my own little notes. Like there's so many golden nuggets from you that just, and people are just chiming in. Um, gosh, this is so, so good. So I want to ask you just a personal question about your favorite right. quote from the Bible, because for a lot of people, again, I'm 37 and I am just this year digging into the Bible every day. And so I'm ashamed to admit that. But I also want to share that with people who might be like me, who they, they have a deep love for Christ, but they're just not digging into the word. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's never too late. Just start somewhere. And I'll, I'll be honest. I 
it, I'm getting better, but the thought of it just overwhelmed me. Like I wanted, I want to know everything in there. So there's always been that yearning, but I, I've just been intimidated by it. So I think so many people it's like, but where do I start? Just literally at the beginning and just read through it. But so those people out there who do not know the Bible, well, what is your favorite Bible verse that they can at least kind of start with and, and, and have in their back pocket? Like what's your go-to? Well, so mine's going to be a little bit different than probably, you know, most people like all these, you know, for God to love the world and for, I know the plans for you declares the Lord, but mine actually is Jeremiah 33, three call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And I hold, and especially with my calling, um, but even as a believer, I hold very tightly to that promise that what God says, even whether it's your calling to be a messenger to an apostate church in these last days, whether it's just to go out and continue in on your great commission, whether it's just at home, you know, in raising your training your children up in the way they should go. To me, it's vitally important to know that we can call on the Lord that you can call to him and he will answer you. It doesn't say I might answer you. If you are seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first, if you are desiring his will for your marriage and your parenting and, um, you know, your ministry, um, whatever it is, he is going to answer you and he's going to show you and tell you things that in our human limited mind, in spite of how wise we all think we are, right? We all have something to share and we think we're so wise. We're really not because without the spirit of God, without that wisdom, that is the true source of wisdom, we don't really know anything. We're just making theories up as we go along, which is what you see right now in this generation and the god the little g the god of science and i'll say it it's why it's always changing you can't ever keep up with it and people are like what's going on i'm so confused so i would say that scripture is what i go to because i can keep calling on him and i can get answers and he will show me things that this world could never show me. He will reveal to me things when I'm very confused and he'll go, that's not what that is, Stephanie. You know, it seems that way, but you walk by faith, not by sight. Don't walk by what you're seeing because what they're doing right now in this peace and safety is not, it's for your destruction. It's for, you know, so I just think when we're coming at the word of God, Um, especially if someone's overwhelmed by it, you know, they get to the Bible and they're like, I'm wanting to pick this up. I'm wanting to get started. My advice to you is don't be, don't be overwhelmed by the word of God, because one of the things you have to understand is it's never been dependent on us anyway. You can't open up the Bible on your own and just read it and understand it ever. That is solely the job of the Holy Spirit to illuminate that for you. And I think it's really, um, I was going to share in Matthew um, chapter 13. I had that open because one of the things I was thinking about was it gives us an understanding of when Jesus was speaking in parables. And if you pay attention to something here, I hope it really helps your listeners. I know it does for all of mine um, to understand 
when we're getting into the word, why Jesus did things the way that he did and why it's important that we are relying on the helper or we're going to frustrate ourselves. But in Matthew 13, it says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Right. So G a lot of times we can open up a Bible and it might as well be a parable to us. Like we can start reading it and it's like, I have no understanding of what you're, is this literal? Is this symbolic? What are you trying to say to me? I feel, I have women say that to me all the time, Stephanie, it's so overwhelming. Like, I feel like I, I need a PhD in theology. You do not. Those are all my thoughts I've had before. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't need any of that. Um, <laughs> I have no education. People say that all the time. I have no college degree. I went to high school. I did some college, um, but I chose to be a mother. I definitely have no college degree in theology. It comes from sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm just an ordinary unschooled disciple who sits at his feet and fully believes in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work that he said he was going to do in his kingdom. And so I think the disciples, they come to him and they say, why do you speak to them in parables? So Jesus is going to answer them. And it's not the way our modern day apostate church. I work with a lot of these guys through the years, by the way. But man, they think their idea is um, in establishing the kingdom. They've come up with some new hip and relevant way to market Jesus and that Jesus spoke in parables and told stories because he was entertaining the crowds. And so we've got to entertain them to get them to come back and to keep their attention. And that's not what Jesus is doing here. Um, he, he goes to them. Jesus now answers them when they come to him privately to ask this. And he says, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. And so what ends up happening as we study this is a lot of people can get this idea of, um, well, I'm not understanding. Well, there's a reason why. And there's only one reason why if we're not understanding it's because we don't have the holy spirit or we're not relying on him because the unbelieving world cannot open this up and read it and make sense of it they cannot understand it and if we're trying to do it in our own strength apart from the holy spirit we're going to get frustrated with what it is we're reading um, we start just listening to other people. Um, that becomes the danger in the church where you rely on a pastor or a priest. And it's like, mm, I can't read this myself. Just whatever you say. My girls that come into She Rises will tell you the first thing I say to them is you grab your notebook. I should have stock in notebook companies, by the way. And I know if my girls are watching, they're laughing right now. But they know it's true. But I'll say, you take every note I'm giving you because you test what I'm saying to you. You do not take my word for it. Don't Because Stephanie could lead you astray. You don't know if I'm leading you astray unless you're back in this. Right. Um, and so what happens is these disciples are coming to Jesus and they're going, we need you to tell us. And so Jesus starts to explain the parable to them. If you go further down, he says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He's now going to explain it to them. So what is the difference between the disciples 
And all the people that were of the world that were standing there that day, listening to these parables, but never and hearing them, but never understanding what was said. The difference was the disciples went and sought Jesus out. And they said, I want to know. I want to understand what you're saying. And so when Jesus says the mysteries of the kingdom have been given to you, he's not saying we're some secret society. Like, by the way, what we're dealing with right now among the elite and their agenda. What I'm saying is he's not going, hey, this we're a secret society. He's going, anybody is welcome to come in and discover the mysteries of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit. But it's only going to be given to those who choose to come in through the way, which is Jesus Christ. And then everybody on the outside, well, they're just going to, it's going to be like, they're going to be confused. And so then we wonder why we're all banging our heads. We're trying to talk with each other. And it's like, why can't you see? And I tell people all the time, stop getting frustrated with them. They're not going to see. Until they have the Holy Spirit, they will never understand. So all that to say, don't let, do not, if you are a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you're not a Christian yet, but you desire the Holy Spirit and you want to understand, all are welcome to come to him in repentance and to open up his word and to call to him and he will answer you and he'll give you this understanding by his spirit so that you can discern especially in this battle that we're in yes oh my gosh so good and i as as we wrap up here i'm just gonna you know ask you one final question um about a warning for mothers as we primarily you know both have women primarily mothers who follow us um but, but before we hit that, I just, everybody who is watching, um, I just feel like we just need more of this and more of Stephanie. I feel like we need to bring you back for like a part two, part three, part four, <laughs> anything. <laughs> Let's bring, what part of the Bible are we on now? Let's bring her back. Right. But, and I also just want to drop in here too, selfishly, because I know I want to take part in it. Um, Stephanie, you are, is it, I know you're currently working on it, but it's coming out this fall, right? You're working on a, a, bi a new Bible study? Yeah, our Bible study. Yeah. So, um, Armor Up is what I'm in the process of writing right now through a I didn't know what's called that. Yeah, yep, Armor Up. So, the previous study I wrote um, last year called Lord Awaken Us. Um, we, I, I ended up self-publishing because of COVID and that's what I taught. That's on our YouTube channel. So it breaks down that entire study. And so obviously when you go to our YouTube channel, all my studies are there from judges to Ruth to Esther, everything that I, the Lord's had me write and teach. So I have numerous studies I've already written, but for the fall, um, back in January or February, I told the girls, the Lord really oppressed upon me to start writing through Ephesians, armor up, that by the fall, this is where we were going to be. We were going to be heading into the most intense spiritual warfare this world had ever seen. Um, and it wasn't really about people say buckle up or no, it's armor up. Because if you are not fully in the armor of God and abiding in his word, 
even the very elect could be deceived if that were possible, scripture says. And we know it's not possible if you are of the elect because you're armored up and you have the Holy Spirit and he's going, he is going to protect his own and he's going to show us and, um, and reveal things to us so we don't buy in to this antichrist Daniel's beast kingdom um, that is going to be very sinister, very deceptive, um, so that we don't fall into that and get lock and step, um, especially with all the conditioning we see going on right now. And ultimately, it's not just for us. It's, it's ultimately for our children. You know, Hitler said that, right? He knew that to gain the youth meant to gain the future. And so um, the enemy working through him, just as he's working through this, the same wicked rulers of this world that have um, done the very thing Jesus refused to do in the wilderness. When Satan, when Lucifer came to, to Jesus to tempt him and said, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Well, Jesus knew that was never truly going to happen. And he knew that Satan had no real ownership. And so what did he say? Away from me, Satan, right? It's worship the Lord your God only. And what we're watching is people who have taken that offer and said, no, we will bow down and worship you. And we want the kingdoms of this world. And we want everything that comes with it, which includes us and our children, and I tell people this all the time. This ain't your grandpa's warfare anymore. It's just not. You're in the middle of a from bio warfare to psychological warfare to cyber warfare. Um, those three encompass the greatest thing of all. And that's spiritual warfare, because that's what we're actually wrestling against. So if we are not armored up, that's my that that's my warning um, wow. to all of us. Yes. And I the the word that stuck out to me that I feel that people just have to realize this right now. And again, as far as timeline goes, you know, one hour to God is, is you know, in heaven, it's the same as like 100 years. But we do right. know we're very close. We're in it. Oh, yes. But to say it's this, we're living in conditioning and grooming for what is to come. I, again, we don't know how, how quickly, but it seems like things are unraveling right before our eyes and um, armor up, be alert. And Stephanie, what I want to do um, after we log off here, you or I, um, because I know, I know I personally want the links and so many of our viewers are going to want them. Let's go ahead and um, I want to link to your private group where you pop in to do live, um, to do lives and, and, and talk about your, your Bible studies. I want to also link your YouTube channel yeah. where people can find, because I'm also the type as I'm going, to, I'm doing um, the Bible in the year. Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmitz. And what I do love, and I even asked Stephanie a personal question last night. And then I asked her, I'm like, but someday I want you to elaborate on it. I'm one of those people too, that I love to be able to read the exact word, but then have that elaboration. And that explanation is where, you know, working through like the, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit as well. So 
we're good for everybody watching and i know this will be available for replay too stephanie or myself we're going to link those beneath this video so everybody has those resources um and then i know myself and i'll be sharing it i definitely want to um be involved in armor up to to learn everything that you're working on so stephanie awesome. thank you so much for joining us. And I knew, I knew you were going to be great, but you totally exceeded my expectations. And this is going to need to be like, like a 12 part series. <laughs> you know what? I always say, I just am a vessel. So it just tells me he exceeded your expectations and the Holy spirit did what he was supposed to do. And um, I am always happy to just continue to come on knowing the days we're in, you know, that iron sharpens iron. And we gotta, you know, we gotta keep battling this together, leave no man behind and uh, keep standing by his spirit in the face of this enemy because they're getting louder. They're getting louder. It's very real. I mean, I, I keep telling people, I'm like, Satan's no longer hiding. It, it, this is just so apparent to me. It's yep. so armor up, grab your Bibles. Um, I'm just, I'm so thankful for you joining us, Stephanie. And um, we will be posting those links in the comments below. So make sure to um, to check all the things out. There's just, there's just so much. So I'm so grateful. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Reagan. Blessings. Bye guys. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can stay up to date with what we're doing at therealdealofparenting.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. Let's talk soon.